I like thinking I'm the only one with real problems. I, I, it makes is me it, feel special. Is it true? Are all teenagers sociopaths? You know what? They're all no. self-involved. I think there are a lot of wise beyond their years and well-adjusted teens. I wasn't one of them, but I'm sure that they exist. Yes. I'm sure they exist. Dalton was an old man with I, a walker. Oh, I was... Wise... No, in a nursing home. No, in a nursing I, was, home. I mean, I was a grumpy old man already, but I was an idiot. I was an absolute idiot. Yeah, I was dumb, dumb, dumb. I don't think dumb. I gave up being an idiot until like four or five years ago. I was wise beyond my years. Yeah, you're... That would make sense. <laughs> that would make sense. I would believe, I would buy that. I, yeah, was, no, I, I was very much... I wasn't as outspoken as Nadine, but I was very much socially an Nadine. I relate to Nadine and Dorian. And I am very much the person of the party ways. who just like walks up to the group and is like... And then walks out to find yeah. somewhere to sit by myself. Oh, had, I was the that kids, is very much me. I, I was the person sitting outside. I saw that feeling yeah. now sometimes. Yeah. If I don't have anybody oh, yeah. there at the party, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I basically that started. Me. Some, I basically started smoking day. cigarettes because I liked being outside at parties. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good place to hang out. Yeah, almost every party house has a couch out front. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Where else am I going to hang? All right, well, there you go. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. We gather our table and discuss films you'll never discuss in film today's course. And maybe discuss what we were like as teenagers a little bit. Uh, uh, apparently so. Um, I'm mm-hmm. um, still Dustin. I am still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. And yeah, I definitely didn't grow a soul until like, I don't know, six years ago, probably. Uh, six months ago is what I'm going at right now. But yeah. Uh, well, about me? About, no, you me, son of us. No, me, you not, not you. That would make sense that I had somebody without a soul officiate my wedding. Yeah, it makes of, sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the movie Edge of Seventeen. The. The. Uh, definite article is used. The Edge. Edge of Seventeen. From 2016. Is the... from 1998, and it's a gay uh, coming-of-age film, which is not the film and we're talking about. And it's not the Fleetwood Mac song, although it definitely is named after it. Uh, yes, correct. Um, so, in case you're tuning in for the first time, um, this is a movie from 2016, and we are going to spoil it, but not right away. Uh, no. Because it's an analysis show, not a review show. Uh, we will do some review words, but we'll do that after a synopsis. We'll do that a little bit of review following that, and that'll be all spoiler light. Then we'll do a little exercise called Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve gentle spoilers of this film and films of his ilk. And then finally we get down to business, and that's when all the spoiler bets are off. You've been warned. So, Arthur, without any ado, what is the synopsis of Edge of Se- The Edge of Seventeen? Seventeen-year-old Wallflower Nadine isn't having the best of times in high school. There are no perks? There are no perks, <laughs> okay. but she has found a safe space with her best friend, Krista, until she discovers that her brother and Krista have hooked up, sending Nadine into a spiral with no other friends to support her. Yes. That's that, what happened. That is what happens. Um, right. And Kira Sedgwick showed up. And Kira Sedgwick, uh, who is great. She's, She's so good. good in this I movie. I love her always. Yeah, she is. Um, so, without that, uh, or w- w- with that, um, words are hard. Tell me about it. I'm uh, the only one who's seen this before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought. So, Don, what do you think? I still like it. Yeah, I liked it a lot when I saw it when it first came out, um, and I hadn't revisited since my watch in theaters. And I still think it's spectacular. I think it's a career-best performance from like everybody. Are you there. saying it's spectacular now? I, it's still spectacular <laughs> now, Arthur. Yeah, I would, fa- I would say it was a king of the summer it came out, is what I would also <laughs> say. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of Hollywood coming-of-age movies about girls uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, most of them having to do with the industry. But this is one of them, and it kind of automatically shows up and announces itself as a classic, and I love that about it. Much like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it just is kind of like, nope, this is what being a teenager is like. Deal with it. And it's like, it just nails a lot of stuff. It nails sibling relationships really well. I don't think there's a lot of movies about siblings. Uh, I'm sure there's some out there that I don't know about or I'm forgetting. Um but I think it gets that so well. I think it gets parent-child dynamics really well. It mm-hmm. gets friendship. Like it just gets so much about being a teenager. And more than that, it gets so much about being a person. It, it understands the ways in which people interact. It finds a way to visually communicate mm-hmm. isolation in, in its uh, its framing. You know, Nadine is framed in focus with stuff, everything else out of focus a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of dealing with uh, her, her inner... inner uh, solipsism uh which yeah again i not something you always expect from a coming of age movie to also be well directed but i think this does a good job i think it's got a bananas opening uh that opening with her and woody harrelson uh that proceeds to be a flashback that is so long you forget you're in a flashback oh my gosh yeah it's a great it's a great bit really good structure to the movie yeah um and that's i guess that that's really all i've got to say about it i mean it is just extremely well made as as coming of age movies go We'll probably get into this a little bit later, but it it doesn't necessarily present anything new to the coming of age genre. 
but I, you know, I think this is part of a run with you know, girlhood and eighth grade, and I'm, there's Ladybird, Ladybird, yeah. There was just book a, smart, book smart, yeah. yeah there's yeah. been a run of the last ten years of uh, female fronted coming of age movies. Uh, the one I like a lot with uh, Cena and oh Wars. yeah, Cockblockers. Yeah, uh, that's not what it's called. Is it blockers? blockers it's I just think blockers. Is the title. Yeah, that's what it's called. Block, which is much better, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's just a, a big run of them, and I think this kind of sits at a really good middle spot to mm-hmm. kind of announce that a movement is already happening. I mean, kind of forecast it, right? I mm-hmm. guess you're right. I guess because when does Girlhood early. come out? 2016 or 2017? I think it's the same year as this. Uh, Girlhood may be the same year. Okay, yeah. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I think I think it was 16. Yeah. But I, I think we did January 16. I know we've year. talked about this movie on the show before because I brought it up for the same reason. There's just not a lot of these movies. You're right. This yeah. is such a great example mm-hmm. of of how you can do that well and how there's specificities to the the female experience that are are just not you're not going to get from a, a boy coming of age movie. Like there's just stuff that there's different topics to address. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably use more coming of age movies of other marginalized genders, right? Like, uh, it, boy, the, the the less you fit into society's box, the harder being a teenager is. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie gets that very well. Um, it gets how it's that can be hard for somebody who looks like they've got it all together too. Like, I this this the understanding of people's sort of eccentricities and their their little ticks of behavior uh, of personality i i think really great like it woody harrelson like does so much with that character and i don't know how much is him and how much is on the page but i just kind of picked him because he feels like he has the least screen time of the main cast but he does a lot with it and again yeah, i does. think it's career best work from everybody um hayley steinfeld's great in this um she plays a similar character as uh, dickinson the emily dickinson on the show and yet like both introverts both you know filled with feelings Two totally different characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, just different faces, straight up. Um, and I, I think that sort of speaks to her, her talent as an actor. You can have these two roles that do have a lot of commonalities and yet are so totally different and definitely feel like fully formed performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. And uh, I'm going to shut up now because I could keep talking about how much I like it. Very good, very good. What do you think, Arthur? Do you like it? Yeah, I do. Um, coming of age films, again, are, are kind of in that wheelhouse that I'm, I'm really gravitate towards. Uh, and I do enjoy this one quite a bit. I, I, I think it's it's kind of snarky and got some character to it that just doesn't always happen. And I and, you know I think that's partially because it doesn't quite always fit the tropes of a coming of age film. I think that is part of it, but it also does feel like a character study in a lot of ways uh, in, in the way it presents Nadine and, and wrestles with who she is and and her kind of mental struggles and things of that that ilk. Um, and so I do like that about it. It really does become more of a study in grief and not just with Nadine, but the entire family, I mm. think, uh, which is interesting. I don't know how well it lands that. We may talk to that a little later. Um, but but I do think it, it is wrestling with that idea of the impact of loss and grief, not only on a person, but also on a family unit as well. Um, and it kind of gets into that late in the film. But I, I really do like it. I, I think you, you already mentioned it, but... I, I think Haley Steinfeld's great. Uh, I, she does the little things very well. There are little ticks, little nuances that she does yeah. that really work. And I want to quote Josh Larson here, who also kind of comments on her her performance as well, and I think really gets to it. He says, quote, if being a teenager means trying on many masks each day to see which one fits, uh, Steinfeld juggles the many Nadines beautifully. It's not just that she pretends for most of the time and then gives us a scene or two of the real Nadine. Rather, she adjusts the chemical balance constantly, understanding that Nadine's sneer and smile are both a part of her. The challenge is to find the right formula, the one that feels the most true and best honors her relationship with her family and her friends. Mm. End quote. Um, That's good. Thanks, Larson. Yeah, I, I think really taps into that idea because there are moments when somebody is conversing, you know, there's that moment, I think, when Krista tells her to shut up and the way she moves her eyes so quickly back and forth, trying to, I think, restructure in her head what just happened. Mm. And, and coming to terms with where she's at and why she's saying this and how this conversation is impacting her with Krista or, or, or at least her role within this conversation and, and that idea of the selfish entitlement that she kind of deals with and that everybody's against her. It's, it's the world against Nadine is how yeah. she feels and how she's always felt since childhood, even uh, you know when she had both parents, right? And so I, I think that performance is just so layered and, and very good. Everybody else is great. I love Harrelson uh, in everything. I think he's fun. I mentioned off air, I saw Venom. And to see that over-the-top camp performance juxtaposed with this uh, somewhat more straightforward uh, take is is just fun. It shows his kind of range and when he's having fun and when he's in his zone and when he's 
at his best. And I, I think that's really cool. Everybody else is, is solid to great. I, I really like Hayden Seto as Erwin Kim. I think he's got a really good chemistry with Haley Stein. They're so good together. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that that moment where they're swimming together is really fun. And just their back and forth banter throughout and his kind of awkwardness and trying to approach her is really cool. Um, I, you know, Kira Sedgwick is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the casting is really strong. Uh, I, I like there are moments in this where it plays a little bit with point of view. Um, and, and, you know, we typically are on screen with Nadine, uh, but there's a moment late in the film where she leaves the house and we just stay there with the mom and brother yeah, to get a little more. We finally get into glimpse into the bigger world and how everybody else is ticking because we've only seen it from Nadine's point of view, the entire film that it is the, you know, it does feel like the world is against her mm-hmm. and, and we do finally get this pull back of the curtain. And I think it's a really good moment in direction and a really good moment in the edit yeah, uh, to kind of, open that world up more to see that there are more gears at play and that there's actually a lot of stuff going on with everybody in this family. It's not just Nadine Mm. and she's so blinded to it, but now we kind of see the bigger picture. And I think it's a great moment in this that really changes the story and how everything is portrayed. Yeah. There's a great scene between, um, Kira Sedgwick and Darian, um, that really does recontextualize their relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such a great, I think, I don't know if it's the same point in the movie. It's close to it though. Yeah. There uh, are, they have a couple. Yeah. But there, there's one in particular where he's like, then she, she is, she, what is Kira Sedgwick? What's their mom's character's name? Uh, Mona. Yeah, Mona. There we go. Yeah. Mona's sort of, uh, flustered about the situation and Darian sort of points out the ways in which this is a situation of her own making as well. And yeah. it does sort of like, Oh, Oh, everybody's got like a little bit more insight into these relationships yeah. than Nadine. Not there, everybody is as locked into their own yeah. world. Yeah, there is a lot of baggage that everybody in this film carries. Yeah. And and Nadine is blinded to it because of her own frustration and doubt. And we get a couple of those moments, I think, which are very important to making the story work. The history, right? Yeah. Like it, it establishes history between yeah. characters without doing a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think it works. And I think this movie rides on Nadine's, uh, on Seinfeld's performance. And I think she nails it. I think. For that reason alone, the movie works, and I, I think it is one of the, uh, to your point, it's one of the few female-centered coming-of-age films, uh, but it's also a really good, I think, just in general coming-of-age film as totally. well. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed you know going along with it. I think there's some fun moments, some good humor, uh, and some pure heart to it as well. And so I, I really liked it. Very cool, very cool. Um, I also liked it. I like teen coming-of-age films as well. And uh, it does what a good teen coming-of-age film does. The reason why we keep telling this exact same story mm-hmm. over and over and over again is because we need a new generation of teenagers to get that message, which is Rule 62, quit taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. That is the the problem of all teenagers. And so if it's Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About You or whatever other, you know, it, it's pick all... Pick one. Yeah, pick one. They're, they're all doing the same kind of work. And that is good um, when you do it well. I mean, there are definitely a lot of bad ones. There's definitely ones that are uh, less responsible in the way they handle their material. And when you handle the material responsibly, when you do something interesting in terms of your script, it does have kind of that Juno problem. And what I mean by the Juno problem is that no teenager is quite that smart on their feet with their words, but that's what makes it watchable, and that's fine. They think they are, though, and that's important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. you got to get that across a little yeah. bit. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, all of that... Uh, works for me because it. I, I think, okay, teenagers in 2016 or 2021 would watch this movie. They wouldn't watch 10 Things I Hate About You. They wouldn't watch uh, whatever other coming-of-age drama you want to... Stand By Me. Stand By Me, yeah. yeah. Uh, or uh, My Girl, for crying out loud. I mean, whatever it is of a given period. They wouldn't watch it because it's not their moment. But that's why we keep making them is because we have a new crop of teenagers who need to realize, stop taking yourself so doggone seriously. And uh, is it doing that? Yes. Is it doing that in the specificity of what might be your problems, your hang-ups, your baggage, and what you might carry? And I'm not trying to minimize any part of that, but how do you get past solipsism, as Dalton has already named, yeah. um, whatever, what, however that evinces itself in the individual life of a teenager? How do you get past that? Get past, well, I mean, it's, it's as old as Jane Austen. Your well, pride and your prejudice, yep. and move on. I think the strength of this, though, uh, that a lot of coming of age movies don't have is Nadine has real problems. Yeah. She's got real shit going on. And I, I think that's such a big hump to get over for so many coming of age movies. This is about a little entitled shit who is no, is just living a great life, especially movies that are sort of 
you know, not, I don't want to throw Spielberg under the bus, but like Amblin starts this moment of like every movie's about the suburbs. And maybe it's not Amblin specifically, but I feel like E.T. is just kind of what I go to when I start thinking about this movement of movies about the suburbs. And we've done so many coming of age stories on this, this show, and so many of them are about kids with no real problems, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at something like Stand By Me or Boys in the Hood or this, like Spectacular Now. Spectacular Now. Yeah, we talked about it. Even Kings of Summer a little bit. But that's honestly sort of part of the problem. That that movie gets closer into movies about people who aren't really going through anything. But when you have a teenager who's like got real adult problems and is still has to be a teenager, I think that's where you can get something like the 400 Blows we talked about mm-hmm. off air. When you, when you deal with an adolescent who's really having to shoulder the weight of the world, it makes that solipsism a little bit more palatable, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We're already getting into it. Sorry. Yeah, like no, no, absolutely. It, it, but it works. I mean, uh, performances are great. All the needle drops are excellent. We didn't talk about those. But, yes, yeah, well-picked and well-chosen and well-timed and montaged as they're being used. And uh, Woody Harrelson, Kira uh, Cedric are all great. And so I like it a lot. There you go, dear listener. Um, our biases there are generally pro. We now move to a part of the show we like to call Expanding the Syllabus. Arthur, can you tell us what that's all about? Uh, in Expanding the Syllabus, it's a thought experiment wherein we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Dalton. What does your syllabus look like? We're going to talk about Stories that deal with child-parent relationships, maybe a little bit with siblings as well. As I alluded to already, I really, I know there's uh, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig have one, Skeleton Twins, for a few years ago that I know people like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But there, I feel like there is just sort of a dearth of sibling movies. I just, there's not a lot. And, uh, you know, somebody who's got one, I've got the same setup as Edge of 17. I'm the older and I have a sister who's younger. And uh, I don't know, this movie gets a lot of those nuances. It, it, It understands a lot of, what you know, we're a little bit further apart in age, which I think made some of the specificities of this movie not a part of our situation. But we're close enough in age. We're, yeah, man, we fought a lot uh, at a certain point in our in our growing up, and I, I think this movie understands like what that looks like for opposite gender siblings. Um, I shouldn't like that's a binary choice. Just siblings who are got different things going on. Yeah, I should say. So we've got a lot of movies that deal with family in different ways and I, I think that's what this course would focus on is interpersonal relationships specifically within the, the family unit and maybe it would be a uh, you know the family on screen and be sort of uh, we'd have our cake and eating it too a little bit as far as being a, a sociology class as well as a media studies class um, so I, I do want to look at ladybird which we mentioned last week because uh, it gets that 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 child parent especially specifically mother-daughter relationship really well it deals with you know the the other members of the family do have stuff to do as far as just like being part of the story and part of the the themes uh we look at the farewell from a few years ago which deals with extended family parental expectations um speaking of parental expectations i really want to look at uh, he got game the spike lee film which we've talked about on this show before uh, i'd also look at dune not just because i saw it today and <laughs> thought it was good that's 100 why it's on the list yeah. yeah it is part of why it's on the list but i thought the film had the book of course deals with this a lot but the, the film's got a couple of really spectacular scenes about what's it like to try to relate to your parents these people that you you can't really know and, and what is it like when they show you a little glimpse of who they are what is it like when they fail you what is it like when they they kind of reveal their motives to you and i, I think that the film nails some scenes uh that that really speak to the those dynamics and in ways that you know sometimes you got to go a little weird you got to go sci-fi mm-hmm. you got to make the stakes gigantic so the interpersonal dynamics kind of feel as weighty as they do when you're really living them um ginger snaps is a blind spot for me but i know it's a fun movie about sisters so i definitely would want to look at that mm-hmm. uh, girlhood which we also mentioned last week and i've also done on the show before uh it's a really great french film but it deals with kind of that, that found sibling dynamic uh there it deals with sibling relationships a little bit but it is more about the the siblings you make mm-hmm. uh, along the way uh speaking of i think knives out is a great film about legacy about adult siblings um, about growing older and realizing maybe your your life is still defined more by your family than you wanted it to be. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff in that. Uh, lastly, one more movie that we've uh, talked about on the show, Charlie Bartlett, because I think there's some oh, fun yeah. juxtaposition, right? Because we've got Robert Downey Jr. and Kat Dennings, uh, and they're you know 
relationship as the principal of the school and his daughter who attends the school. Then we've got Charlie, whose mom is very loving, but not particularly attentive. Um, and, and sort of that dynamic between those two different families is a big part of what makes that film work. It's just sort of setting them up against each other as, as two separate dynamics. I don't know if that makes sense. But, yeah. And uh, more Anton Yelnick. Yeah. Well, of course we'd love to see him, you know, we, we love the King RIP, uh, love to get him on screen. And again, I, I think Charlie Bartlett deals with the, the solipsism that you see is in teens, but it also deals with the ways in which teens are filled with good intentions and mm-hmm. not understanding the rules of the world means those good intentions end up not always working out the way they want it to. But uh, it also shows that those those moments of you know teen rebellion can be born of a place of real innovation and like a desire to live in a different world, a better world. And I, you know, I think Charlie Bartlett, you know, deals with the pros and cons of trying to do things radically different than they've been done before you. Um, so that's my list. I, I think it's a pretty okay one. Again, all of these different films dealing with the family dynamic, the family units, we'd probably read some research on found families, the nuclear family as you know defined by America over the last hundred years, and where does our modern conception of the family come from, and you know where where do those things start to exist? Because they don't happen out of nowhere. They're created and packaged just like anything else. Uh, found families and made families used to be sort of the common way it was done my grandmother was raised by some folks down the street from her man like people just didn't always know their parents at a right. part in history uh you were just raised by the adult that was closest to you uh so i think examining how we got to sort of uh family lineage as being this sort of end-all be-all important thing at least here in the you know the north atlantic world uh, i think would be super useful and that's one of the reasons i put the farewell on here too is i wanted something that got a different, you know, cultural view of what family can look like from through a different lens. Um, very cool. Arthur, I like it. It's a very okay list. Well done. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I think we got something here. Uh, you actually kind of inspired uh, me to think about the marginalized coming-of-age story. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think which is an interesting study because you yeah. mentioned uh, there aren't as many, right? And we've gotten a few yeah. more in the last five years, but it is still primarily a yeah. white dude's yeah. uh, area, space. Uh, yeah. So I think that's what I want to talk about and, and look at some of these uh, because there are a few of them, but they're all pretty good and so i think that's why they stand out um because they rarely get made so they have to be good <laughs> that's yeah. kind of the idea i think uh but i do want to go back in time i do think i want to start with boys in the hood nice uh which you mentioned already Singleton, uh, yeah uh, which does kind of you know has that great opening that apes stand by me which kind of culturally sets it in an interesting space yeah uh, but it does deal with inner city urban youth in compton South yes, Beach, I think they're in Compton, if I remember right. right. It's but it's southern in the California area and that kind of space and kind of set against the idea of you know, the, the gang violence that takes place and, and what that looks like culturally and, and mm-hmm. also gentrification and those questions and also the great Furious Styles, the great name in cinema, uh, right? Of all, of all names, Furious Styles is, is up there. Uh, so I do want to talk about Boys in the Hood. We can talk about the black experience, especially there. Uh, I want to modernize that, though, and talk about Dope uh, from about 10 years ago now. God, maybe? has it been that long right? already? It, it feels like it. Good movie, though. Um, but again, it, it kind of spins that on his head because it is about black youth, but not quite the same black youth as Boys in the Hood. Yeah, right? it's well, kind and of, it talks about blackness, right? Yeah. And like, what, what is... What does that look like yeah. if you're not if you're not fitting in the box that society says you should yeah. fit in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think totally. that's an interesting juxtaposition with boys in the hood. So I, I want to pair those two. Uh, we'll talk about the LGBTQ experience quite a bit. I want to talk about Love Simon, uh, mm. uh, the rom com, uh, which I think is is very solid in that way. Uh, and, and kind of alongside that, we'll talk about. But I'm a cheerleader as Man, well. Kind conversion of great, therapy, yeah, the course. conversion therapy story. Yeah. Uh, but I think. That's where I'd go there and kind of modernize that a little more. And we talk probably about Euphoria. I think we have to talk Euphoria, where that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a series dealing with marginalized youth. Uh, we talk about teenage drug addicts, and we talk about uh, trans uh, teens and LGBTQ che- teens yeah. and, and that experience. Teens who are engaging in online sex work. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, just, all kinds of stuff. I mean, really just about anything you could think of. I, I think the show ties to tackle. I haven't, I've seen a few episodes. I haven't seen all, but I know... All of that is in there, and it kind of deals with it in a very raw, unfiltered way, yeah. uh, which I think is important. And, and yeah. I'd probably I, I thought about taking it in, but we may talk about Assassination Nation just because some of the representation there is important. I think, uh, but it's not really in that same vein. Yeah. Uh, from there, we would go into Boys Don't Cry as well. I think we kind of trace that back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, while it's not necessarily a coming of age film in the way we may think of it, it is dealing with a real scenario that 
birds these stories, right? The, yeah. These struggles that these teens deal with that we don't discuss, we don't face, is rooted in stories like that of Brandon Tina. Yeah. And, and so I think we go back there to look at that. Uh, and I also look at Moonlight as well. Of course. Good call. Um, Could good talk call. about a lot of stuff with Moonlight. Yeah. God. All yeah. kinds of intersectional issues. Yeah. Uh, and then and I, I want to end with Saved because <sighs> while our protagonist in that story, uh, the great... Uh, Mandy Moore? Not Mandy Moore. She's Yeah, she's in it. She's Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone, yes, right? of course. And Patrick yeah. Fugit. Um, and Thank while you. they're, you know, says hetero, it deals with counterculture and marginalized voices in juxtaposition with the fundamental church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important discussion to have yeah. as well. Uh, and so I would probably put saved in there and, and look at that and kind of see the lens that it's coming from, but also the way it is having this discourse with the way the fundamental communities engage with marginalized voices. Yeah. And so that's where I would take this class, I think. Good class. As your chair, I approve this. Um, I'm not your chair. Yeah, uh, yes. No, I'm not. Uh, very cool, very cool, very cool. Um, so I think what I want to do is I want to think about, well, Woody Harrelson's character is the most compelling character for me. Uh, I mean, how did it take this long for somebody to cast Woody Harrelson as a crotchety history teacher? As, as Woody Harrelson. Exactly. Yeah, as Woody Harrelson, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I mean, his responses all the way along are just great. I, I, I love... I just wrote my own suicide note, and and it's I had thirty minutes of peace, and it's been taken from me by a poorly dressed and <laughs> obnoxious. It's just great. He's so good. I I love his sarcasm, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun. But I was thinking about a spectrum of teachers in cinema. Okay, yeah, we because, talked about educators last week and how oh, we captain my captain. Yeah, yeah we yeah, didn't have anything to do well, with varsity blues. Yeah, and and I think where I would situate Woody Harrelson's role is he is the value neutral instructor. He's he cares. Yeah. He's not great at his job. No, he's phoning in a little he, bit. Uh, I mean, he's, he did say the North seceded from the South. He is showing young Mr. Lincoln. But that, I mean, again. And leaving a, the room. We only see him through Nadine's eyes. Yeah. Right. So we don't know how good or bad he is. Yeah. I think it's another interesting. You know, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I'm, I'm going to go with he's just a value neutral. Yeah. He's there, but he's not um, wicked. Chaotic neutral? Is that what we... What's that? Chaotic neutral? Chaotic neutral. Yeah, I'd say yeah. he's a chaotic neutral. So he's on the neutral spectrum, for sure. Somewhere yeah. between lawful and chaotic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, there, that's where I'm going to situate him. So first of all, let's talk about the good teacher. Sure. Oh, Captain, my Captain, indeed. Robin Williams, Mr. Keating from Dead Poet Society, which Inspiring is... Inspiring young Ethan Hawke to go be a police officer in Los Angeles. Uh, right. Um, right? That's what that movie's about? That, that is not what that movie's about. Okay. Um... And, uh, but yeah, Dead Poet Society is, um, I mean, a prereq if you're ever going to be an English major or teach English ever in your life. You must know this movie. And uh, it's excellent uh, the way in which you can take a classroom and inspire young people. In a similar kind of way, but slightly more problematic, um, we have to then take on Michelle Pfeiffer and Dangerous Minds. Because uh, I've been spending most of my life living in a gangster's paradise. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I've heard. Um, but that uh, Dylan Thomas, Bob Dylan project is of itself fascinating but just you know sitting backwards in a chair and wearing a leather jacket as an ex-marine michelle pfeiffer um okay white uh, saviors uh, um the ways in which that but might, you could talk about stand and deliver which has not those issues right, right? yes uh, stand deliver is on the list in fact oh, and hey, so there you go. yeah stand deliver great movie about learning calculus a real and, educator and a real educator, and also being able to do math on your fingers. I can't tell you that I learned to multiply by nines from that movie, um, nice. which is a hilarious little moment. There's those are your good ones. Again, we got neutrals. Now we got to have the bad ones. The first one, Coach Kilmer from last week. <laughs> sure. I mean, obviously, bad teacher, but also a coach. So it's a slightly different. Yeah. I think those line up sometimes. Uh-huh. Sometimes. I've had enough yeah. classes to know. Yeah. yeah. And then um, my other sort of evil teacher uh, moment. Dolores Umbridge, oh. whom we all love to hate from um, the Harry Potter series. I'm looking at uh, Order of the Phoenix mostly, but um, I think a, a handful of Umbridge clips, uh, at whom we all take Umbridge, uh, which I think that naming is intentional there. But we could talk all day long about silly J.K. Rowling and her naming, but we won't. Um, Anti-Irish propaganda. Well, in Kingsley Shacklebolt, the one black character. Yeah. Shacklebolt, uh-huh. really? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Must you? Um, but anyway, that is not really what we're talking about right now. No. Um, so We're talking about educators. Do you have, uh, what's his dude? I can't, is it Fletcher? Is that J.K. Simmons' name in Whiplash? I thought about Whiplash, but I hadn't seen it, so oh, I didn't really? want to put it on there. Oh, yeah. okay. 
And so, yeah, like anti-Mr. Holland, right, is, yeah. is my understanding. Of... 100% <laughs> anti-Mr. Holland is so good. Oh, my God. That's yeah. my understanding there. Yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, just thinking about that spectrum of representation of, of teachers and how we don't have, again, kind of the value neutral. Sometimes you're phoning it in, sometimes you're good, sometimes you're bad, sometimes you're there for a student, sometimes you pick up what's going on, sometimes you get your own stuff going on. You're a real person. You're a real person. And uh, Woody Harrelson may be the sort of nexus around which I'd spin all of those particular versions of an instructor. So uh, there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. I believe now it is time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. Oh, we got so much business to handle. What do you guys want first? What do you want? What do you want? Oh, I've got a lot of things I've written down. We could talk about the filmmaking itself if we want to talk. I've kind of alluded Structure. to that already. Structure, but also, you know, te- camera technique, um, films within films. You know, we've got a short film in here, and Erwin says the work speaks for itself a little mm-hmm. bit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, th- I think that's interesting. There uh, is another movie. The, the, the more traditional movie is Erwin's movie. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's much more straight across the plate. Uh 80s boy coming of age movie trying to win the mean girl yeah Uh, some kind of wonderful i'm thinking about and something like that yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or my diaries sure whatever uh so i don't know there's that i i really do like the structure of this i think it is helpful to kind of throw us into nadine in crisis and back up a little bit Mm -hmm. and then spend so much time again spend so much time backed up that you kind of forget that you are there's a moment of crisis coming Mm -hmm. which i I think is just a really clever way to, to structure the movie um, but again, I, I like the ways in which there's there's little moments where focus is used. Yeah, a lot to, of soft focus. Yeah, yeah, to sort of draw your eye to certain things. I, again, it's so easy to just shoot a coming of age movie like a sitcom and not do a whole lot with it. But I, I feel like there there really is a lot done here to kind of keep things visually interesting. Well, it does what it does well. Yeah, right? which is what you need from these kinds of movies is to do it well with a little bit of specificity. Yeah, so for yeah. sure. Uh, performances again. I you know we, we talked about that already. Cure Sedgwick. I mean, what a thankless role it could be, and mm-hmm. boy, is she great in this. Uh, yeah. As you said, she's not in a lot of it, mm-hmm. but Mom in the coming-of-age movie is a role that doesn't get a lot of, to do very often, and I feel like she gets more than you would expect from this role. And I, I love the smartness of the screenplay for writing this character, because there's that moment where she is going to go trash-bag her entire room, she's going to lose her phone forever, <sighs> Yeah, and um, I gotta tell you, I have been in that place mm-hmm. where you're wondering... This is unacceptable behavior. What do I do? What do I do? And uh, when she, when, you know, and again, there's a scene later on where she's trying to figure out where she is, and she's, I'm safe, and like, I don't care. What for text th- do I send? What yeah. text do I send? Yeah, because what a good scene. Because you're on the other side of that text, but you have no idea. And you're furious, and probably you're furious, but you're glad to know that she's safe, right? Yeah. But also, you're not writing me back, and I mean, I don't. She doesn't know that she's in a situation where she's not supposed to be using her phone, yeah. right? Yeah, and and so that 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 moment of tension and her coming to a place and going, okay, and that's all she ends up saying. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I, I love this movie for teenagers to watch. Well, it gives you those moments, right? Where it, I loved watching it. Just you know, it makes you. This movie will reframe your childhood a little bit, or at the very mm-hmm. least, if it's a thought you've already had, it'll make you think on it again. But it gives you those insights in those moments, right? It is in this last half of the film that we spend the most time away from Nadine. Mm-hmm. And we do get to the movie. As, as the movie broadens out, it broadens its focus as Nadine is focusing on people other than herself. Uh, and I love that moment to kind of see, like, this is the interiority of, like, being a parent, especially if your teen is going through some some really rough shit. You don't want it. You know that if you push too hard, they're going to bolt, right? right. So the, the, there is this push and pull in that relationship. And I, I, I think three texts that end up being just okay is, whoo, right, and brings that, the house is misty after that and one, and that tension of parental responsibility, right? Yeah, and what sense do I if I don't consequence this, am I endorsing it? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean that is a question I ask all the time, and that brings yeah. us to Darian, right? A right. little bit. Uh, how do you be responsible in a way that is not taking on too much responsibility as a sibling? Because mm-hmm. you're not a parent; you right. are also a child, and you need to be focusing on doing your own thing. Um, and, and the ways in which, you know, we, we alluded to this already, but Darian kind of calls Mona out and is like, Hey, it, okay. If, if this isn't about me, then why are you always complaining? Going to me, coming right. to me about right. Nadine. Yeah. I'm, I'm just her brother. Like, what do you want from me? 
there's this deeper, you know, I, I alluded to earlier, there's this kind of study in grief, right? We see in 2011 that uh, the one person who was kind of able to, to bring the family together, the father, yeah, the dies boy. with Nadine in the car. Yeah. He's driving and, and she's with him, which is traumatic in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. But that that's kind of the root of this is they've all mismanaged their grief in a way that, you know, Kira Sedgwick's character, Mona, has never really, I think, been able to cope with. She's she's just been thrust into single motherhood with two teenagers. There's just too much to do. I got yeah. I got yeah. time to process. She's, this she's stuff a working right mom. Yep. Full time job. Probably overworked. Maybe with her job. She's in an right. office, so there's a chance that she is working more than maybe just forty hours. Yeah. But she's also having to manage not just not toddlers, but teenagers who are burgeoning and people who do have lives of their own. So yeah. there's even much kind of more to manage. And she's already had a difficult relationship with Nadine. Right. Nadine never really worked with her, and and she wouldn't want to get out of the car, but her dad could coerce her to get out of the car and yeah go to, you know and they didn't have that relationship and so in all that and now darian has has to step up in, into that kind of father figure role in a way which isn't a responsibility he's asked for but mona has reverted somewhat and, and moved into her own shell which makes darian just naturally have to step into a role he doesn't want to which fill. of course nadine resents right yeah mm-hmm. because she's like you're not the boss of me yeah, you're, right. d- you're as dumb as I am. And that is finally what he has to say is like, yeah, of course I'm not happy about this. Like, I don't want to do this, but like, you don't listen to mom. Right. You kind of listen to me. I did yeah. not, I did not opt into this. You right. you opted into this for me. Like you, you have a role to play in this dynamic. Right. Which I think is, again, it's such a valuable moment for, for that character to hear, right. Where she has to like, she, she's refusing this act of grace that's being extended to her. And he finally like, it's like, all right, fine. Get your own ride home. I'll, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's so interesting. I wish we got more. Well, and she says to him, you love being a hero. Like yeah, that's this weird yeah. projection that teenagers do. Yeah. I, 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 that representation of it is yeah. really, really fascinating. It's like, I cannot, it, it to to say that is so far from what Darian obviously is wanting to do in that moment, mm-hmm. but also it completely is understandable that that's what Nadine sees, even though it is far removed from reality. And again, uh, teenagers are all sociopaths; they just don't see, right? Yeah. Um, I wish we got more of uh, Nadine and Krista. I mean, so much of this movie is about them being on the outs with each other. I do wish we got a little bit more. I don't know if it's longer flashback before sort of this inciting incident of her and Darian becoming a, an item. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just wish we got more of that. Maybe it's because I like Haley Lee Richardson. I think she's really mm-hmm. good here. Yeah. I mean, we, we do get about 10, 15 minutes of setup about them growing up together and yeah. <laughs> what. Yeah, suffocating caterpillars so and, and Krista's home life, which isn't good either. Yeah, she's got her own and, stuff. And I think for her, for Nadine, right, she's kind of that stalwart foundation for Krista. Yeah. And when, you know, she's expecting that back and there's that sense of betrayal once Krista does hook up with Darian. Well, and something we never deal with, right, is how does this feel for Krista coming from a a home where like there was fighting Fighting going on and now, now she's thrust in the middle of this other situation where people she cares about are having all this turmoil with each other. I I think that's what work makes this film work as a coming of age film, but also in what it's doing is, it does allow for so many complex characters. Yeah. Well, it involves, it allows for so many complex character dynamics too, right? Yes. There's that scene where Nadine's like, you always say my husband. Uh, with, with what Mona. about my dear, your husband? What about my dad? And that's such an interesting moment, the power yeah. exchange taking place there, right? And so much about this movie is about power dynamics within right. interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Power embodies both, really. Yeah, and I, I have like a headcanon of Kira Sedwick saying that is is partly she's trying to militate against, you know, you're talk, you all you talk about is your dad dying. Yeah. I also lost my husband. Yeah. And she's chafing against it in the wrong way. You yeah. Know? yeah. How, how, again, this sort of strategy misfires is, is, is part of the complexity of that dynamic that I just, I, I find endlessly fascinating. There, there's definitely, you know, we've talked a little bit about sort of the innate hetero-ness, the heteronormativeness of a lot of coming-of-age movies. There is sort of a, a lot of real straight people possessiveness going on in this mm-hmm. movie that is and it's it's not just in the romantic relationships though it's 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 the way that that bleeds into all relationships right if if only one person gets to have each other then somebody is being stolen from somebody mm-hmm. in, in some 
you know, if that's the way you're going to look at the relationship. Yeah. Codependency is what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Nadine is codependent on Krista in some way. And, you know, Darian and Krista are teenagers who are in like with each other. Of course, they only want to spend time with each other. Like, it is. It becomes so much about who gets time with who. And again, even with Nadine and her parents before the death of her father, right? It's a lot of that is, you know, who, which relationships are on on the right side and which relationships are kind of on the outs and how does mm-hmm. that play into the family's power dynamics? It's a lot of interesting stuff that I don't, I don't know that I have a lot to say. I just kind of wanted to mention right. it. Well, and I think the movie does a really accurate depiction of just general teenage insecurity. You know, Irwin's sure. awkwardness is great. <laughs> so good. But um, there's that moment where Nadine says something about having sex with him in the pool and he gets I his mean, feelings really he hurt. He gets his feelings really hurt. And honestly though, she isn't joking. It the, the way, like the she's, way it, she's not joking, but she doesn't really want to do it. But she yeah. also wants to know if he would. Yeah, and that's the only way she knows to do. And it, it's not just purely like malicious ma- no. manipulativeness, but it it feels that way for other people. For for uh, Irwin, it especially does because yeah. he's on the other end of you know have, being embarrassed, he's, right? And yeah. he's incredibly in like with her in a way she hasn't. Re- Reiterated. Yeah, yeah, that it's unclear if she's picking up, which we I think we the audience knows she's picked up on it because she's mentioned it already. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going on in this relationship. Yeah, this, right. No, this friendship that's maybe going to be something else. Uh, this is probably a good place to talk about Darian versus Nick versus Irwin and the sort of different modes of masculinity. So much a film about uh, the, the feminine, but there there is this sort of uh, dueling portrayals of masculinity going on that mm-hmm. I think really specifically you know young boy masculinity you know we've got nick who just went to juvie the cool outsider and the cool outsider who is not cool he's not deep yeah interesting he just got an offer to bang and haircut okay yeah and yeah he's got a nice haircut and a car with seats that go all the way down right (laughs) yeah that's all he's got going for him cardigans and you know Irwin's Irwin's uh, unfortunately a rich kid but we can't hold that against him it's not his fault Mm -hmm. uh he's got interests though and then we've got Darian, the golden boy who doesn't want to be a golden boy, right? right? Who who would like to be left alone, but probably the God, the meanest thing. Your head's too, too big, big for, for your body, body and you'll yeah. never like you'll never be able to do enough crunches to make your head the right size. That's so funny, That's so mean. <laughs> but yeah, we. I don't know. I don't know if that I have a lot to say about it, but I, I think it is interesting that we kind of have all again only two of them for obvious reasons are presented as love interests, but we get different behaviors from all three of them that sort of. I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot to be said, but there's certainly some observations made that I really appreciated. I agree. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think if we were all, if we were a female or if we had a female in the group, there, there may be a better way to speak to some of yeah. that, what what the dynamic is yeah. there. I guess it's only to say we've all probably been a, a Darian or an Irwin or a Nick at some point yeah. in our lives. Sure, I think. Yeah, that's maybe all that needs to be said is... People contain multitudes, and I think this film gets that in mm-hmm. ways that are like very palpable. Right. Uh, any other big thematics? Is this movie sex positive or sex negative? Or is it not that binary? I don't know that it's that binary. Uh, I, I, I think it's it's an option, but she doesn't want... <sighs> I, I mean, Krista's never really shamed. In no. any, the film doesn't shame her or look down on that relationship with... And that they're two consenting. Nadine's the one that's kids, being weird. Teens? Well, and that's yeah, another part. Right. I mean, what are the ethics teen, of sexualizing teens on sex, screen? Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, these are all adults playing teenagers, but like they are presented as teens. I don't think they're real. I mean, although they're having sex, I don't think it's like a sexualized. You know, it, it's it's no. it's not no. like well, it's not like a it's not Paul Walker and the cheerleader and on, the, on the dryer. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah, in yeah, that yeah. first moment of, of Varsity Blues, right? Yeah. It's a definitely a different thing. The, the only "quote unquote" sex scene we get in this film is how uncomfortable that can be mm-hmm. uh, when you're a teen. Uh, right. When you again, so much of this film is about power and relationships, and obviously Nadine has very little power in that situation. Right. Uh, but you know, Nick listens at the very least. He does. He does listen. And of course, I mean, Nick. I mean, uh, to to whatever credit I want to give Nick, and I don't want to give him very much credit. But we don't get to know enough about no. him to give him anything. But, yeah, but he's but Nick, very confused. Nick received a text message. Yeah, that suggested another set of expectations, right? Sure. And it, yeah. you know, I did. That's that's just all that needs to be said there. And when the expectations changed, was he a little bitch about it? Yes, but yes. at least he was respectful, and that's yeah. like something. <laughs> yeah, but he's also a teenager, so it's, therefore that kind of makes sense that he would be a little. But the intense. scene, yeah. the scene is icky. It and is. It, icky. it reads as icky, and it's it's. I don't know. It reads as icky in a way that is like super effective without being 
I don't making your skin crawl too much. Right. Um, I your mileage may vary, but it is it's a pretty tense scene. If you haven't seen Edge of Seventeen, nothing horrific happens. Well, you could be worried that Nick would do the bad guy thing in yes. this moment, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I'm I'm alluding to. Is if you haven't seen this film, there's a moment where it seems like somebody might make a bad choice, and good choices are made, but mm-hmm. it is it's stressful right. yeah. in that moment. I, uh, you know, I think your answer your question. I I feel like it probably leans positive, but I don't also know that we're ever presented in that that binary position where yeah. To get a definitive choice, right? We never have a pure sexual moment. I think I it does. It does this thing that uh, Plan B, the Hulu movie from this year, does pretty well, which is just like it acknowledges that teens have sex and it chooses to like engage with that without sexualizing them. Which, mm-hmm. even if you're working with adults, if you're presenting children, you kind of need to respect that and do your best to not I, like. Don't be Riverdale. As much as I, I like right. some of those early seasons, like. There's a gross way and a not gross way to do this kind of stuff, and right. I think Edge of Seventeen mostly gets it right. I think so. I think I think it does get it right. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything else I want to talk about though. Other than that, yeah, I think we've I think we've hit on everything I I kind of thought about. So yeah, uh, I okay. I got one more. Okay, uh, she gets mad at God, and then there's no toilet paper. It's within a great reach. bit. It's so funny. incredible. It's That's a great a bit. funny bit. Every time a movie does. Uh, an appearance from God, which I'll call a character acknowledging God, and then the scene being mean to the character uh, through like inanimate objects. Ugh, it's one of my favorite movie tropes. Yeah. Truly, <laughs> I love that shit. That like is that's why I go to the movies, man. I right. Love it. Well, I think it's very illustrative of her solipsism again because yeah. she's invoking God here. But I'm like, you put yourself there. I mean, really, you're mad about the situation, like. You did all of this, you know, but you, you can't to see you. that. Yeah. No. Yeah, but she finally you wanted does, this, that's right? Such a, that's part of like what makes her growth so interesting, right? Like, she's not a better person at the end of the movie, but she sees how she's been an she's asshole. She's reframed. Yeah. 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 Like, forgiveness is not asked for, and I don't, because I don't think people are ready to give it to her, but she yeah. acknowledges that, like, but she's been in the wrong. hope for reconciliation. Totally. Yeah. That yeah. last scene of, like, uh, of Darian and Krista looking at each other and being like, that was nice. Like yeah. They're making breakfast. Like yeah. they've started the family unit there. Right. Yeah, I think it's a fun. fun. Well, and I, and I think it's what you get. You know, with teenagers again, living in a home with uh, with a couple of them, and I had another one at one point in my house. Um, the the moment where you go, that was not bad. Is is the thing? Is a real win. It's Makes a real sense. win. It's a genuine thing. And so, yeah, that's totally true. I I I, I, I endorse that moment. <laughs> Uh, talk to people about your feelings. It'll make you feel better. It would make you feel better. Do is it time to render a verdict? I think it is. What do you say, Dalton? I like this movie a lot. I think it's totally shelfable. Um, I just I think it's extremely charming, and it'll probably be on streaming indefinitely just because it's so new. But I don't know. There's probably a good director's commentary on this. I would love to hear what uh, Kelly Freeman. What's her last name? Kelly Freeman Craig. Is that it? I think you're right. That uh, sounds right. Uh, C.J. Craig. That? Yeah, Kelly Freeman, Craig. Yeah, I would love to to hear what Craig's got to say about this movie. Um, they wrote and directed it, and you know, I'm I'm always curious about somebody that's got that much to say that they need to make sure they say all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really in the vein of if it's a good coming of age film, I would probably shelf it, and this is in that that sense. So I would have a very large collection of only coming of age <laughs> films, probably if if I were left to my own. Devices. Well, as Dustin um, said, we've got to keep telling the story so every generation can get the message, right? Right. It makes sense that they're all shelfable. What? Yeah. Are, are you? Do you fall to this school of thinking, Dustin? I, I do, and I I don't know if this is this five years one. If it's not this one, or if it's Booksmart, or if it's Ladybird. Gotcha. Um, but um, or all three, or all, well, I no one of them. Do you think it's one of those three? Yeah, one of those three. You got. I mean, you need to have one, and this could be one. That's what I would say. I think that here's the problem. I want it to be Ladybird, but I think you need a broad comedy. I yeah. really do. Yeah, I, I I tend to like the broad comedy better in this case. But yeah, as I, much as I, I mean, Ladybird's funny. I think I would go to this before Ladybird, but I think there's space for this and Booksmart because mm-hmm. of the, there's a five year gap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what, what is the year? Well, on I mean, roughly, Booksmart? it's what Booksmart's twenty. Uh, there's only three year gap. It feels so much. Longer. I know it feels well. Jeez. Boy, did was it a long five years? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're only three years apart, which is weird. And of course, Lady Bird falls in between the two. They really are 
kind of of a piece with each other yeah. in an interesting way. But you'll need one, and in five years you'll need another one. And I'm not sure. I mean, well, obviously we'll have to find out what that one is. But uh, yeah. the one that's well done that, that again helps teenagers get over their pride and prejudice. You Thank just you, rotate them out on your shelf. Yeah. Every yeah, five you, years well, you're just you, you, curi- well, curating you, it. You you go to vintage stock and you trade in the one and you get the next one to have, yeah. and then you have the next one yeah. to have. Well, we've, it's we've, like the getting the newest edition of a textbook. Exactly. Yeah. So when we've updated it, and that's that's the update. Well, we've reached the point in the show where three white guys are trying to decide if uh, Booksmart, Lady Bird, or this get to fight to the death. So we should probably bring well, this train into the stadium. I, 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 I would, I would say show. this. I mean, yeah, I'm I an agree. educated I, white man. I, I, I agree. I think they're all fantastic. And, and I do love the girl version of this, but I mean, with that conversation, it's spectacular mm-hmm. now. I mean, you know, same same idea, yeah. but w- which movie do you have? And I think for their purposes, anyone will do. Yeah. I get what you're saying. If yeah. You, you, I, you're not wrong. You can't talk about every movie. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, but this is as good as any of those. So, yeah, right for sure. There you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts. Um, you can have a conversation with us via social media and other means. Dalton, say the words. Uh, yeah, if you've uh, found yourself self unlucky enough to be stuck on Twitter and unable to get out, we're at Good Trash Media if you want to go see what we're up to. We're sharing news from the from the film world. Uh, I, I don't know if we shared a lot of IATSE stuff, maybe a little bit, but anyway, we're, we, we try to, we try to talk about what's going on in movies or at the very least boost people who are talking about what's going on in movies. Uh, speaking of, we like to boost our friends, uh, the wheel of Randy with Dan Wade praise down with Ethan Alex, bad girls die first. Uh, you know, go check out other stuff. We like to share links to their show. Uh, and of course you'll get links to every episode that we do. That's at good trash media on Twitter. Uh, if you've got lots to say about, uh, the edge of 17 or maybe last week's film varsity blues, you can send us an email to good trash at gmail.com. Um, last, if you want a curated, uh, film choice every couple of months, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. That's one of the, the rewards we can give you. We're not making any bonus content right now, but yeah, if you fill out a quick questionnaire, we'll find a movie that you might want to own. It's fun. You know, who who doesn't like to be surprised with the movie? Well, you tell us what you like, and we'll try to... We'll, we'll, we'll throw you through the old Arthur algorithm, which is Arthur. Uh, it's just him. Uh, and he'll, 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 he'll sort of stare at your questionnaire, and eventually an, an, an answer will come to him, and he'll have figured out your taste, because he is that good. Actually, Arthur is an AI. I've suspected this for many years. And he does not compute. Does not compute. <laughs> uh, I think that's everything that we need to I talk about. I can't do that right now, Dave. Um, <laughs> uh, Dustin, I'm sorry. I can't allow you to end the show. We're having too much fun about Arthur. I, I don't want to end the show because I want Arthur to tell us what we're going to watch next. Ah. I'm glad we found our way, way back from that. Hey, all right. We're having fun. I got it in there. There's 10 things I, I hate about that, there. but we'll go on. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> next week, uh, we are moving away from high school. Uh, we're actually going to be uh, traveling to the 80s to discuss once again one of our favorite directors. Next week, we take a look at Joel Schumacher's Ode to Male Rage falling down. Oof. Fun times, fun times. Now, Arthur, you said it was the 80s that uh, was when this movie came. I'm trying to make a North seceded from the Union joke in the movies from the 90s. This is falling apart. Let's get out of here. Okay. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. I am so embarrassed. Thank you.